Yo, yo, yo. Feels good to be back. What's going on, guys? Welcome back for the latest episode of 321 Kobe, the Kobe Show, hosted by yours truly, Kobe Gibson. What, what, what is that in the background? Is, is that what I think it is? Yes, it is, folks. That is hope. Indeed, you are hearing the sound of hope. Hope, hope, hope. Hope is in the air, baby. That's right. Many around the league are getting very optimistic now about the chance of a return for the 2019-2020 NBA season. Now, if you follow NBA senior insider Adrian Wojnarowski on Twitter, you may have suffered a mild heart attack this morning like I know I did. I had my tweet notifications on for Adrian, and he tweeted earlier around 10 this morning. Now, with my tweet notifications, they pop up as a banner, and if it's a fairly long tweet, then I only receive half of it on the banner. And then you have to click on the banner and open the actual Twitter application itself if you want to read the rest. And I was in the middle of a FaceTime call with my mom when I got a tweet notification from uh, Wojnarowski that read NBA PA and Commissioner Adam Silver have officially agreed to cancel the 2020 and then it ended there that was all that popped up on the banner I kid you not my heart immediately dropped and I felt so powerless so quick as I feared the NBA season was gonna get canceled I told my mom I was like I'm sorry I gotta go real quick <laughs> so I I hung up and I checked it only to realize that the rest of the message read top 100 high school basketball camp and sighs of joy and relief quickly followed that and I I couldn't I could continue my day with peace once I read that and I, I was like I don't give a shit about that camp Adrian don't don't tease me and scare me with that bullshit uh, you almost put me in the hospital. I thought my heart was about to fail. But on the bright side, yes, 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 there is great hope and optimism that this NBA season will return. Thank goodness, because I need basketball right now. This issue is still driving me crazy of not having sports right now. I guess I want to say not having sports because there is some sports going on right now. Huge shout out to Dana White and the entire UFC organization for bringing back a little bit of those good feelings and uh, bringing back a sport and hosting fight nights. This is honestly the love that we needed. You know, uh, I've honestly fallen in love with the UFC since the comeback. So I'm sure uh, this comeback Dana has made for the sport has uh, grappled so much appreciation that the popularity of the sport is probably going to rise dramatically, honestly. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> that boy Henry Cejudo, animal, complete dog. Uh, the UFC is full of vicious athletes, and you know it was just a good feeling, good positive uh, perspective that you see from those uh, fights coming back and seeing that sports is on its way to a return, uh, depending on what league you're talking about. But man, that boy Henry Cejudo, that's a man I would never bet against. Uh, I'd advise you to YouTube him too if you haven't had an opportunity to see him fight. But anyways, back to the best sport ever created by mankind. Uh, the NBA is hopeful that 22 of their 30 teams will have their facilities up and running by Monday. Uh, the Miami Heat already opened their facilities for voluntary workouts, and 12 players attended the socially distanced workouts. I know I just read uh, Houston Rockets, my favorite team. Uh, shout out Russ West. He, uh, or excuse me, the Rockets, they were uh, opening their organization and facilities on Monday. So that's a positive. And then on a call with the NBA Board of Governors, Adam Silver told officials that once the NBA formulates a return to play, the league will let teams know that the plan would be to then normalize coronavirus testing among all 30 teams. And he also told them that if a positive test would arise, it, wouldn't, it shouldn't shut them down. He said if that were the case, then where it would have to be shut down because of one positive test, then they probably shouldn't go down the path of resuming the season to begin with. 
And if the su- if the season does resume, uh, Silver announced that he would want the return to action to be in some sort of a bubble, which has basically been described sort of as a campus environment, uh, residing on like a college town or something like that. And Vegas, uh, number two, only followed by Orlando as the front runner, uh, would be the likely return to action locations where NBA teams would then play their games without any fans. Uh, now everyone has been saying, "Oh man." The games will be trashed without fans and, you know, the whole environment will just suck as a whole compared to what we're used to be seeing. And like the overall uh, quality of gameplay will just the quality will be trash. And at first I agreed with it. I thought it would be pretty weird and obviously not the normal per se that we're used to getting. But after watching the UFC with no fans, there's definitely an interesting perspective of live sports that gets exposed without having fans in the crowd. It it almost makes the sport more personal and intimate, uh, being able to hear every single thing. I remember uh, I was watching Anthony Smith fight Glover Teixeira, and as Smith was getting his ass completely and utterly beat down and choked the hell out, you could literally hear Glover Teixeira say, Sorry, Anthony, it's just part of the job. Uh, and, uh, Anthony Smith responded by saying it it is what it is. Like they were literally having a whole conversation and that's something you wouldn't be able to hear. And also, uh, Anthony's corner was yelling at him the whole fight and they were getting criticized actually because they could hear him so much and they were, he was performing everything they were saying. And it's just not something that you, uh, get out of having uh, a crowd in the arena, something that you can hear so clearly. Uh, but I just think it would be a really cool opportunity for the NBA to get creative with their camera and audio work to see what they give us fans access to. I think they need to really uh, dig deep into that and in that aspect and find out a way to bring out some of the personal uh, sides of what actually goes on on an NBA court when you can hear everything and there is no crowd. So here we are, you know, still waiting, but there is more hope now than ever. Uh, as every league continues to plan their return and formulate plots on changes that need to be set in place due to the current COVID-19 situation. Uh, so hopefully we see some dunks sooner than ra- sooner rather than later. Uh, the topic I really want to cover today is load management. Load management has, in the past few years at least, become a controversial problem in the NBA. Uh, the term load management was essentially brought to light and coined by coach Greg Popovich of the San Antonio Spurs, but it's really just a fancy way of saying you're going to give a player X amount of games during the NBA season in hopes for saving him and keeping him fresh for the playoffs. And to talk more about this, I brought in uh, my good friend Pierce Hamilton. Pierce, how's it going, my man? It's going good, Cole. How about you? Uh, you know, we're living the dream over here, baby. Yo, I got a quick question for you. Let's hear it. Do you know who currently holds the highest field goal percentage in history? Shit. Future? Yep. You you already know, man. That man doesn't miss. Just dropped an album a couple of nights ago. I, I got to hear it from you, though. What are your thoughts, man? You're the, you're the future fanatic. You know... I listened to it probably six times through. And <laughs> yeah, first time, first time it dropped, I listened to it like six times through. Gotta say, already a classic. But I think, I think Trillionaire with NBA might be the best song off it by far. Trillionaire, I'm liking uh, the Travis Scott Solitaire. That's what I'm messing with. But uh, that, any Solitaire, yeah, it's hard. Song before it was into it, like the same flow. All right, yeah. But anyways, let's get back to this topic on sports. Uh, 
on load management. I know I've had talks with you before about this topic, so tell the people your views on load management in the NBA. You know, it always tears things apart because I just think it's it's tough because when I look at the topic, it's like play for two reasons, either for the fans or to win championships. Right. It's tough to just tell a team if their best chance to win is to rest to say, don't do that. So I, it's just like one of these necessary evils that's part of basketball right now and we just need to find a way to modify it and agree upon it like i know they put into action i think it was last november 2019 they said like you got to put in a little bit more notice and you can't do it on road games or nationally televised games which i think by adding those regulations makes it a little bit more fair to fans and people watching especially like i know when i was younger it was Cavs game and kobe didn't play and i was like damn that sucks but yeah. I just think it's part of the game, and as players get softer and don't play all 82 games or all 48 minutes, like, it's just is what it is. Yeah, but that makes me even think, like, should the, M- the NBA needs to shorten the games. If that's becoming a problem, they need to shorten the length of the uh, schedule to mitigate from that because, I mean, if you're having 82 games but the best players aren't playing in all 82 games, what's the point of having those games? You know what I mean? I think... Oh, and I think that's something that... I would be totally for it and make the games more meaningful. I mean, like, it's basketball, not baseball. Like, I don't know why we're playing all these games for it. Especially, right. like, playoffs last, they seem like two months. So it's like, you have all the team revenue and stuff. Like, if you just shorten the schedule off and make people play all the games, I think the product, they can jump forward instead of backward. Right. Because you look at it, you're right about it being from, uh, there's two perspectives, which make it such a controversial topic. You got it uh, from the team and the, Uh, organizational standpoint and perspective that you look at it and then you also have the fan perspective I think from uh, the team perspective it's it's a smart idea to use load management because you see you see Kawhi Leonard he really made load management famous besides Greg Popovich but not necessarily made it famous but uh, made it successful because you see Leonard who like missed most of the 2017 and 18 season because of like a tendinopathy or something in his right quad I don't even know how to pronounce it but uh, he missed most of it, and he hasn't played. Interesting fact, I didn't even know this. He hasn't played in uh, both ends of a back-to-back since April 2017. And uh, his load management program uh, last season with the Raptors, where he only played 60 regular season games, so that helped them win their first or his first NBA championship, and he took home the NBA Finals MVP trophy. So clearly it worked out for him like from a team perspective. You know what I mean? And with him, I mean, there's a couple things about why that make that case interesting. The first is he has the most significant argument to be load managed because he had the true injury that lasts. Right. Like, that makes some team, like if you have Zion on your team, you could see load managing just off his size and injury past as compared to like, like if you have another guy who's like fully healthy and never had an injury like that, it might be a worse look to be like, this guy's never really had an injury even close to that, but we're still going to arrest him. But at the same time, to counter that, you see Derrick Rose going off now, and I don't. I at least I haven't noticed him getting load managed at all, and he has a very vicious uh, uh, history of a knee or yeah knee injury ACL when he messed that up, and he's he's had injuries since then too. So it's just like I mean, if he's still playing and not being load managed, then why should anybody else? Yeah, I think it also just comes really. It's really case to case to me because yeah, I guess he had, he hasn't even been on a championship caliber team for how long? 
He's been playing well, in Detroit. <laughs> when you look at a guy like LeBron and say, like, this guy can play all these games, it's like, well, first off, that dude's a beast. Like, he's the most durable player I've seen in my short lifetime. Mm-hmm. And the second that, like, when you look at Kawhi, towards the end of those playoffs, like, he was hurting. Like, he needed that load management. Like, you could really argue with how he looked after those seven games. He, but then he goes seven against the Sixers, and then that series lasted however long it lasted in the finals. And, like, he looked hurt afterward. And it's right. like, he definitely looks like he needed those games rested for him. Mm-hmm. And I think teams, like, I think it's helping, like, teams argue the case that it's not necessarily like an excuse to be absent from a regular season game but now they're making it like they're calling it a program that like seeks to have the team's most important contributors you see playing at optimal health in like the biggest moments of the years so like in the playoffs and stuff they're trying to just conserve those players and they're formulating it into a program to make it like okay almost yeah but then you also let's go ahead I just think players get more specialized. I mean, when I talk about this with my dad, he always brings up, like, starting pitchers in baseball. Like, they don't throw complete games anymore. Like, yeah. you see six, six and two-thirds or seven innings and they're pulled. And it's like, it, guys just become so specialized at their craft that it makes it hard to just become, like, a straight workhorse. Right, right. And I guess if you look at it from the other perspective, the fan perspective, that's what kind of pisses me off, I guess. That's when you're like, okay, this is kind of bullshit, because if you listen to, uh, I forget who was talking about it, was it? Oh, it was Jalen Rose on a sports talk show. He was talking about, it used to be a badge of honor to play in all 82 games, you know? Like, people used to respect that. Mm-hmm. And now, like, they're saying, or he was saying, like, the NBA's gone soft, like, allowing for these athletes to be able to make tens and potentially hundreds of millions of dollars with no apparent injuries, and they're sitting out games that... The, like if you're a fan, you're you're working hard to pay good money to attend these games, and when you attend them and they're not playing just because they're what resting, I mean that's that's ridiculous. Like this is this, this is their job, you know. You're you're not going to call into work and say sorry, I'm not coming into work today because I want to rest my body and my mind. Are you? Like <laughs> no, you're not. Because you know what would happen? You you get fired, Pierce. You'd get fucking fired. And that's why I think it's quite ridiculous because these people are making so much money but then have the ability to say, oh, I'm I'm not going to work. I, I don't want to. At least from a fan's perspective, that's how I feel. And I remember, I think it was 2012 when, or was it 20? Yeah, when the uh, Greg Popovich, like, he caused a catastrophe in the NBA. Like, a, there was a big scene because he sent Duncan, Ginobili, Parker, and maybe Danny Green, I think. He sent those... What's that? They caught some fines for it as yeah, well. Yeah, I think so. Like, I remember, like, it was the last game of their six-road trip against the Heat, and that's why it was, like, a six-game road trip, and that's why Pop sent them home. But they ended up fining the Spurs, like, $250,000, I think, because uh, David Stern, like, said it was a disservice to the league and our fans, which is a good point. Like, it really is. And that's what makes it hard and such a controversial topic, I think, because it's – it's like separating church and state. Like it's separating teams and fans. Like one has one purpose and the other has another and you're just, it's conflicting, but there's, I don't know how to sick. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know if there will be like an ever will be a set solution, but I don't know. I don't know. But one of the biggest issues and it's talked about so much now that it seems like an epidemic in the, in the <laughs> league. It can just become so, 
it's just such a tough choice to make because right. it's coming like if the player if you had a player that would benefit from load management on your team or you're a fan of that team you might be so much for it but if you're not you just look at these players and look it's like it used to be an attribute to play 82 games in the season mm-hmm. and still be able to go 100 percent. right and that's why i don't know i think the only solution that they could come up with honestly is shortening the schedule like I don't think there is a more even and competent way that uh, the league and Adam Silver can really make it fair to all and just say that they're going to shorten the length of the schedule to reduce injuries. Still make it the same length to go into April or whatever in the end of the season. Just games will be more spread apart so it's not constant wear and tear on everybody's bodies, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what I... They're all just on the back-to-back, so if you rework the schedule, like it should take care of most of these problems. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, anyways, I uh, I have another question for you. All right. So the Hall of Fame. I want to know who are your top five Hall of Fame snubs. I want to know who you think were the best players who were prevented uh, getting in the Hall of Fame. Because you know the Hall of Fame, Basketball Hall of Fame, is such an honor to get into. You just see uh, Kobe and KG, Duncan. They were the top names that really highlighted the class, especially Kobe, that highlighted the class of 2020 to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. But overall, I want to know who you think are the biggest snubs. Who should have got in but didn't? Take, Take me through them one by one. This, uh... I feel really confident about first three choices, mm-hmm. but then it kind of goes off because there's so many people in the Hall of Fame that it gets kind of like a pick em call and what are you, and it's just tough when you put them on like faces of a franchise. So I would, I'd know my number one. <laughs> I think I know your number one too. Well, see, I couldn't put that number one as my number one because it seemed too biased, but it's still Fair a little enough. biased. My number one went Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace. Um, he just, I mean, he doesn't have the points, and I think that's what gets him, but he just made up for it so much with blocks, and when you look at his career, he's a one-time champion and a four-time defensive player of the year, and it's, and he won that, those four in a five-year span, and it's like, this dude basically dominated half of a decade on defense. Yeah, I think with Wallace, I know he, uh, he definitely just has like a lot of attributes on his resume he was a four-time all-star he was the champion uh in 2004 four-time defensive player of the year five-time all defensive first team three-time all nba second team like he's he's definitely got the stats and like the resume to definitely have at least a case or a claim to get into all of fame so i think it's pretty crazy that he's not in i agree with you there because i know they're uh only 12 players in NBA history who have more all-defensive first-team selections than Wallace, and you talk about how there's such a broad selection in the Hall of Fame already, it's hard to really understand why he's not in there. So I definitely agree with you on that. I just I can't help but think he just retired at the wrong time. I mean, we see scoring numbers, you walk the game, and it ends like 140 to 120, and it's he's a defensive player trying to get in, averaging like under 10 points. And right. I just think it's time to retire for him. Mm-hmm. And he, I said he won the uh, Defensive Player of the Year four times, and you know the only player, only other player to have that uh, stature is uh, Matumbo, and he's in the Hall of Fame. So it's kind of confusing there. All right, take me to number two. My number two would be uh, Chris Weber. Okay. I, I just think, I mean, the dude was just an animal, and I think, I mean, the days with basketball Hall of Fame possible factors in college. I mean, I think the reason that he's not getting in is because he, like, admitted in the trial to, like, taking money 
or lied about or whatever that court case with the Fab Five is. I really think that's the reason he's not getting in. But you can also look at it and say the Fab Five changed forever. No, so you look at yeah. a great player and his impact on the sport, for better or for worse, I mean, it it changed everything. And the dude was just an absolute animal. Animal. I remember. I've watched highlights of him and uh, his games and stuff. Yeah, he's just an absolute beast on the court. Uh, all right, take me to number three. My number three is my guy, 6'3". Chauncey. Chauncey, baby. He, he's my all-time favorite player, so he had to be on this for me. I All think right. it's only a matter of time, if I'm honest. You think but so? Just, I mean, he's, I, I would never expected him to be, like, first ballot or anything like that. But you just look at the dude's career. I mean, he just gets so much respect from his peers, which I think has a lot to do with it. I mean, he's just, he's well-respected around the league. He's five-time All-Star. Uh, he's got the 16 most threes ever made and just an absolute floor general and took down the Lakers on that Pistons mm-hmm. team that everyone remembers for one reason. They were just an absolute team. Like, that was, that, there's no other way to describe it. Everyone worked equal parts on that team. Fair. I remember that team. That team was pretty solid all around, and he was really their leader. I remember, like, it took him to, some time to really, like, get a grip in the NBA and uh, find himself, but... He definitely asserted himself as like one of the best point guards in the league in the, in his late twenties. Uh, he was a top five pick, rated I believe his rookie season or second season. Yeah. All right. Who's next? So this is where I kind of lose a little bit of my confidence. Right. Because it kind of what you what you like. I, so part of me wants a uh, penny just because his his peak of his career was so good. Like, compared, like, he's the next Jordan stuff. I mean, it didn't last a long time, but you look at a guy like Bill Walton, who's in the Hall of Fame, and not too many people question him. He played one full season and played 10 years in the NBA. Granted, really? I didn't even know that. He and led a team to the championship, so he's MVP and finals MVP the year after. But, like, you played one full season. I think there was two or one year in that 10-year span where he didn't even play a game. Wow. So, weeks were, I think you could make an argument for Penny. Okay, okay, yeah, I know. He was part of that Golden State Warriors team, and he was one of the only members from... They had, like, a run TMC moment or whatever uh, little phase there with the Golden State Warriors, and he was one of the only ones that didn't get in because Chris Mullen got inducted in 2011 and Richmond was inducted in 2014. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you could definitely... I don't... uh, Yeah, it just definitely gets hard, like, at some point where it's like, all right, well, this player... A's too close to B, B's too close to C, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And this is just, I mean, you got people flying in from overseas and WNBA, so it makes it tough because you don't want to just give it to a bunch of scrubs. I mean, you want to keep it like the cream of the crop. But when you let so many people, especially in the past, it kind of makes it that you can argue for a lot of players to get in. Right. All right, who do you have on their last? This one, I'm going between Sean Kemp and Tim Hardaway, but I'm thinking Hardaway. Tim Hardaway. I don't know why I was thinking. That's who I, who I was thinking about on the Warriors with Run DMC, Tim Hardaway, not Penny. Yeah, I was kind of questioning why you said Penny, but I wasn't going to call you on it. But it was kind of, <laughs> I appreciate that. I did remember the story because I was reading about Tim Hardaway, and he was it was saying how he was the only member of that team that didn't get in, so it was kind of like all sounding similar. Yeah, similar. gotcha. Similar names. But yeah, I really think I really think Tim Hardaway could also make a case to get in get in the hall. Yeah, I think both Hardaways should honestly be in the Hall of Fame. I think those are my honestly top two. 
besides, I'll, I'll side with you on your boy Chauncey. You know, I got to show you some love. But I think those two definitely deserve to be in it for sure. But, uh, yeah, honestly, I mean, you know, it's one of the biggest honors to be in the Hall of Fame. But I don't know. Every year, I feel like people stop caring about being in the Hall of Fame just because it's such a wide variety. You know what I mean? Like, there's such a big selection. It's almost not as honorable. I don't want, I don't know if I want to say honorable, but, uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, there gets to a point where it's just like, okay, well, if I'm in it, I'm in it. There's no real incentive to be in it because there's so many people in it, but we'll see yeah, what happens with that. With the basketball hall of fame comes in is they say a lot of it comes down to like what year you are. So like, cause you could have a harder year to get in or not. And I just think the basketball hall of fame, I don't know if they have a minimum, but it never seems like they have a year where it's like only one guy or two guys get in. It always seems to be like at least four-ish. So yeah. putting people in every year, you're going to have some weak classes. And I just think that's an issue if you can retire at a certain time and being like, I'm going to have an easier time getting in. Exactly. Well, that... if you retire the same year, you got Kobe Garnett and the big fundamental. It's like, okay, well, I'm none of those players. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that'll wrap up our uh, Hall of Fame talk. What do you think about uh, this NBA season? Where do you think do you think it's coming back? I want it to, but I just think it's worth it personally. I think we need sports, but I just think to, to restart the NBA season is just such a risk. And I think the longer you wait, it kind of makes it, it. I just don't want it to mess up the next season. Like I don't want to compound this problem and then fuck up 2021-22 season. It's like it might just I just kind of past and if you come back and win, it just changes so much to me that it's kind of just it might just be time to let other sports start yeah that's true but also uh who was it jared dudley's old ass he tweeted something about how uh he wanted the season to start because of how it would affect like the next season and uh collective bargaining agreements and the financials of next season that it, he thinks it would screw up big time if they weren't to restart this season and start to generate some revenue in some type of way but i understand yeah. i understand what you mean with the risk because i was thinking um who was it might have been an espn article about uh the warriors or something and they were talking about how there's no real like incentive or benefit of them resuming this season just because they're top they're bottom of the uh west conference western conference and there's no real like benefit of them coming back you know like if they come back it'll all be risk and liability like they can't make the playoffs so what's the point of that so i think it would be what's that what is it huh if anything they'd almost want to lose games anyway like i would just forfeit oh, them and yeah. be like let me get or the most ping pong balls yeah i was thinking honestly like there is a little problem with this but just going playing exhibition games before the playoffs but only between the teams that are already in the playoffs you know what i mean just so that teams who like the bottom 8 or the yeah, the bottom seven or eight teams who didn't make the playoffs from each conference, they would not have to return this season just because there'd be no real benefit for them that they'd want to come back even. So I think that there should be exhibition games before return to the playoffs, but only between the teams who are going to the playoffs, if that makes any sense to you. No, that definitely makes sense. But the then, issue I have with that is like with how many games were 
you're the ninth seed, it's like that's what I was talking about. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. That's the only problem you have. If the eight, nine, ten seeds are all three games back, then then there'll be arguments. Well, we had a potential to make it, so you know what I mean. So maybe those could be like play-in games or something, like to the playoffs. Some exhibition games could be play-in games, but I don't know. I'm not. I'm not Adam Silver, so. Yeah, no, that's just tough because if you're the eighth seed and you lose that play-in game to like a ninth seed, you're like, well, you just made me miss a guaranteed four games of playoff TV revenue for my team. Right, right, and there's so much recognition that will be brought on once the return of the season comes. So there definitely would be losing out on that. But, shit, I don't know. I hope they come back. Who who would you pick to win the championship if they did come back? My heart would be telling me Clippers, but I just think... That's LeBron my boy. Should, That's my boy. After this rest, I mean, LeBron just could come in and just take it. That is true. The rest, I, I'm interested to see if they do return, how this rest and this break will affect players. Because talk about, like the overall quality of the play being down, well, of course it's going to go down. They haven't played in, what, two, three months, but people just want it back, and if you bring it back and everyone has rest, it's either going to be super sloppy or super clean, you know what I mean? So, I don't know, it's hard. It's a test of who stayed in shape. It's right. Because like, it's never, I forget who said it, but they said the season was never, like, canceled. It was just suspended. Mm-hmm. So, as a player, professional, like, you should be in tip-top shape and still doing as much as you can to stay game ready. So, like, it'll be interesting if someone comes back and they're just, like, they put on 10 pounds or didn't really care about it and they can't really get back into shape or someone looks sluggish. Like, it's a true test of athletic and mental ability at this point as well. Right. Zion put on, like, almost 15 pounds, it looks like. He was gaining some weight there. He had an interview, and he just looked like he would just been eating cookies all day. He probably smacked fish down in new orleans right exactly he's and he's injury prone too so who knows what will happen with him after this mm-hmm. i don't think this break was really good for him but i don't know i think that wraps it up thanks for coming on i appreciate it thank you for having me it's an honor always always keep it real i'll see you soon stay safe stay healthy and sure, i'll have you, you back too. sooner than later all right peace peace all right, ladies and gentlemen, that does it for another episode of 321 Kobe, the Kobe Show. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at 321 Kobe Show and tag me with new debate topics that you want to hear about, uh, any questions that you might have. And uh, stay safe, stay healthy. And in the words of one of our legends, Kobe Bryant, Mamba out. I'm a huncho, I'm the boss. My set taking off. Polo used to be Lacoste. Water used to be the tap, nigga, not the boss. Damn things changed.